Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pro Football Network Betting Podcast. I am your co-host and Chief Content Officer, David Behrman, alongside Kyle Sapi, our fantasy and betting analyst, pinch hitting this week for betting director Brian Blewis. Kyle, welcome to the show. Appreciate that. Let's uh, let's get rolling here. We got a got primetime games left and right. You got a Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday triple header situation here. It's a great week to be an NFL fan. Yes, if you like football on many different days, this is the week for you. Obviously, there's the Thursday night game. Then there is an entire th- two-game slate Saturday, a full slate mm-hmm. Sunday, and then three games on Christmas Day on Monday. So full slate. We're going to start with Saturday's games. Let's start with the Bengals and the Steelers. Bengals currently favored by two, total at 38 and a half. Uh, I like this game, but I'll let you start off first, Kyle. What do you see in here? What do you like? I'll go with the the road team here in Cincinnati laying the two points. I mean, Pittsburgh, the sixth worst offense over the past three weeks in terms of yards per play. They're making the change to Mason Rudolph. And the only thing you can get behind when it comes to Mason Rudolph and the Steelers is maybe that his name's Rudolph and it's that time of year. But outside of that, the Bengals defense behind Jake Browning is starting to move the ball a little bit. Defensive concerns, of course, but not sure that the Steelers can take advantage. Yeah, I'm on the same thing with you. I I, I did a, a hit on VEASAN with, uh, with VEASAN's Matt Humans the other night, and I told him when I first – I wrote the first look column on Sunday night that published Monday morning on pfnbetting.com, Pro Football Network, betting's website, and, and I said this was the most confusing, surprising line of the week. I expected the Bengals to be about a four- or five-point favorite. Mm-hmm. Not sure why the Steelers are getting love, and, and even – from overnight, the line dropped from two and a half to one and a half. So there's money coming in on Pittsburgh. Like the Steelers aren't good. They weren't good when they were three games over 500. They weren't good when they were tied for the lead in the AFC North. That was fool's gold. They were getting outgained in every single game, which you and I know is not sustainable. At the end of the day, the only thing that matters is the W. And Mike Tomlin was getting his team W's. But it didn't really matter who the quarterback is, Mason Rudolph, despite his last name. It doesn't matter at all. They're not a good football team. And by the way, the Bengals playing very well without Joe Burrow, um, not smoke and mirrors like Pittsburgh is. I expected this line to be a lot higher. So I'm in agreement with you. I have no problem laying the one and a half or two. Um, I'd even take this up to three because I expected to be four, four and a half. Uh, to have this under three, yes, it's on the road. Um, I don't think it matters. Yes. Mike Tomlin gets these Steelers to win when it's unexpected. Right. They always finish over 500. We've heard that narrative. But if you look back over time, this is the worst Steelers team Mike Tomlin has had. Easy. Talent-wise. Easy. And it's not and it's not close. So no. it's scary that we're starting this podcast off on the same side. I know there's going to be games where we don't agree on, uh, but I see the Bengals winning this one on Saturday, the early game. Let's move on to the late game on Saturday out west, the Los Angeles Chargers have finally gotten rid of Brandon Staley after that embarrassment last Saturday against the (laughs) Las Vegas Raiders. Doesn't get any easier for them. They lose their head coach and in come the Buffalo Bills, uh, one of the hotter teams in football. You saw what the Bills did to Dallas last week, and and that is probably why this spread, which was in the 7-8 to range a week ago, is now up to 12.5. You don't see swings that much, that big after one week. But the Bills destroyed Dallas. The Chargers got blown out of the stadium by the Raiders and lost their head coach. There's a lot of points to lay on the road across country. It's currently 12 and a half, total 43 and a half. If I were to pick a side, Kyle, I'd, I, I'd choose the Bills because yeah. they're playing so well and 
The Chargers are not. But I'm not in the business of laying 12 and a half on the road cross country, especially with a team that now has a new head coach that could respond well like the Raiders did, but you don't know how they're going to respond. Yeah, no, I generally agree with you. That's why I'm going to segment it a little bit and go the Bills by the half point down and take them at six and a half in the first half here at minus 135 over on DraftKings. It's it's a play on form. Like we know Buffalo is trending in the right direction. Obviously, the Chargers have no form to speak of, but over the last three games, the Bills, the number four scoring first half offense in the league over that span, the Chargers have six first half points, period. So to me, I'm going to go in the first half and go with the Bills against the spread and hope that we get there. If we're going props, if you want to get a little crazy here, Gabe Davis, I know he's thrown up a bunch of goose eggs of late, but 29 and a half yards is a low total against a low pressure offense. I go over this in the same game parlay article. Check that out on the site posting Saturday morning. But 29 and a half, my man could get there in one catch. It doesn't take a lot to get him there. That's the funny thing about Gabe Davis is that is not a prop that you're going to be sweating either way. Gabe Davis is either <laughs> going to have 110 yards or yeah. 10 yards. You're not going to be sweating either way. It's boom. He is the definition of boomer bust. Uh, not a bad play there, especially if you, you're rooting for the boom after back-to-back busts. Uh, Gabe Davis is a guy. He He's the definition of boomer bust and also – which guy won me the fantasy semifinal out of nowhere one week and Gabe Davis? Could if you're be still that playing him at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's probably not even rostered, but like I, I remember last year or, yeah, I think it was last year. No, it was two years ago. The COVID, COVID was still uh, what was around. Was I had uh, Cole Beasley on my fantasy team. And sure, he was out with sure. COVID. Obviously, he yeah. admittedly doesn't <laughs> didn't vaccinate, so he was out longer. Um, I then had... I think it was Gabe Davis's backup. Who was who was his backup at the time? Oh, McKenzie, Isaiah McKenzie. No, was that? McKenzie. I'm getting to the McKenzie part. Whoever Beasley's backup was, I picked up. Also got COVID, and okay. I said I, I can't go three deep on the Bills, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick up McKenzie. McKenzie went bananas. He had like six catches, two touchdowns. Yeah. I lost because I didn't pick him up. But at the end of the day, that was the Cole Beasley slot. So you never know with with with, with these wide receivers. But Gabe Davis is your play. Uh, prop play over, what'd you say, 27 and a half? 29 and a half. You could get them up. There's some different books have them in the low 30s. Either way, a 35-yard catch in three out of four games against bottom-tier pressure defenses, that's what he gets this week. And remember, we're, we're here not just to give you side and totals. He gave you a first-half side. He also gave you a prop play as well. Get all this information at pfnbetting.com and make sure to go Sign up for ESPN Bet. This is the first of probably three times I will plug it during this podcast, ESPN Bet, and put in the promo code PFN, and you'll get $250 in bonus bets. You can't get that anywhere else, so go put in PFN as your promo code. You get $250 in bonus bets, and we're going to give you tons of plays to go out there and bet with that. Uh, Moving on to Sunday, the the first game I'm going to talk about Sunday is the Colts and Falcons. It's another game that I like and that I'm on and I gave out in the column. Uh, The line has moved. The Colts were favored by one and a half and two. It is now moved all the way to the fact that the Falcons are now favored. I'm going to assume, Kyle, that this has to do with the Colts injuries more than it has to do with the Falcons switching from Desmond Ritter to Tyler Heineke, because I don't think he's a three-point swing type of guy. At least the math tells me he's not. Any article I've read says that's not a quarterback situation that would be even a tenth of a point, more or less three points. I still like the Colts here. Yep. The Colts are a team that are is really hot. You've heard me take them on the show before. Every week I've been taking them. They, they, they paid it off for me against the Steelers last week. 
I like them. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to potentially win that division. As far as the Falcons are concerned, this is a team that was, you can't see it because it's audio only, we close to having that NFC South wrapped up when they were leading the Tampa Bay Buccaneers late two weeks ago. If they beat the Bucs, they have a two-game lead over, over the Saints and the Bucs. It went the other way, and then they lose to the Carolina Panthers. So their season's in the toilet. They're only one game behind. I didn't like them to begin with. I think the Falcons are done. They're probably going to fire their coach. A lot of stuff there with the Falcons. I like the Colts in this game to win outright, and now I'm getting a point and a half. I don't need the point and a half. I'm going to take a yeah. minus 102 on the money line. What do you like in this game? That's exactly what I have written down over here. This is a little scary, a little uh, trepidation here that we're agreeing on everything so far. But, yeah, I don't know how you get off the Colts here. And I don't, frankly, know who's coming in with Falcon money at this point. The injuries, yes, Michael Pittman, concussion. The running backs, we don't know if they're going to have Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss. Maybe they go to backups. We saw the backups run for 157 yards last week. So this offense is kind of forming to be just fine. Gardner Minshew's going to have a quarterback advantage over whoever Atlanta wants to throw out there, whether they go back to Ritter or not. I just don't – I can't wrap my head around betting the Falcons. If you want to stay away from this game, fine, more power to you. But the Colts, they play up-tempo. They play exciting games. The Falcons can't compete in a game like that. I don't care who's healthy and who's not. Give me the Colts. I think they probably win by 6 to 10 points. Love it. I've been playing the Colts the last couple of weeks. Um haven't won every single one, but I think I've won four of the last five times I've taken the Colts. They put up a dud a few weeks ago. One of the hotter teams in football, uh, the guy's up for coach of the year. Minshew's been wonderful as a backup. Um, they're going to surprise some teams, and I, I think this is one that they're not going to surprise. I think they're going to just beat the Falcons. Moving on to a game where we're not going to have the same play uh, because I'm not touching this one with a 10-foot pole. Packers, Panthers, Packers are minus four and a half on the road. Total of 37 and a half at Carolina. Um, my apologies to your Packers who went to New Jersey for that Monday night football game with a postseason berth in their grasp. Oh, uh, blew the lead to Tommy DeVito and the Giants and then put up a dud versus the Bucks. Your season's in the toilet. Carolina, nice win last week against the Falcons that we just talked about. Great. Not much to look at here. I, I, I want nothing to do with this game. As Stanford Steve would say, like, this, this smells. I want nothing to do with it. What about you? You're a Packers fan. What do you like? Yeah, that's a good reason why you have to remember that you don't have to bet every game. So I'm not touching the side or total in this one. I'll go Jonathan Mingo. He's got the same receiving prop that Gabe Davis does. He's going to get there in a very different way. 7.2 targets per game over his last six. You're talking about a guy that runs around on over 93% of dropbacks in that Carolina offense. It's going to be a slow grind, but with a total under 30 yards, you're giving me seven targets. You don't have to be all that efficient. Five yards a target will do. Jonathan Mingo, I think, gets to that number against the Packers team. That's bottom 10 in yards per pass attempt allowed. Moving on to a game with two playoff hopefuls, the Cleveland Browns playing at the Houston Texans. This is a spread that has flipped sides. Uh, it started out with the Texans favored at home, minus two and a half. It's now the Browns favored by two and a half on the road. Total moves from 42 and a half down to 40 and a half. Obviously, you don't know if CJ Stroud's going to come off of the concussion protocol and play. Cleveland Browns have been playing. It doesn't really matter who the quarterback is, they keep surviving. Uh, Stefanski up for coach of the year with the job he has done there. Joe Flacco, comeback kid uh, or comeback grandpa, whatever you want to call him. Uh, <laughs> I don't really have a play on this one. I was leaning Houston when they were favored. 
that would mean I would like them more now that they're underdogs. But without C.J. Strout, you really don't know what they're going to come up with. Uh, they got it done last week with a backup quarterback. But uh, the way Joe Flacco is playing with Cleveland, I, I will say that Cleveland is a different team on the road. Uh, they're 2-4 and four on the road this season, much different than how they play at home. The ironic thing, Kyle, about these two teams is I, I call them the cardiac kids. Combined, the two teams have won 12 one-score, one-possession games. Sheesh. That's six each. So each one of these teams has played and won a game uh, in a one-possession game. That's a lot for these two teams. Anything that you're favoring in this one? Yeah, I'd be on the other side of here. I'm going to go with Cleveland. I'll lay the points, and I guess that's kind of – the square play given the movement of the spread here, but in their last four losses, Cleveland's last four losses, 134 rushing yards allowed per game. I don't think Houston's capable of moving the running back, whether it's Stroud or not under center. They're in the bottom third of the league in both yards per carry and yards per game on the ground. So I, without balance like that, I don't know that I'm comfortable betting Houston. So I'll lay two and a half. As long as it's under three, I'll take my chances around the key number. There he is. He's taking the road team there in the Cleveland Browns, a game that will have a lot of AFC wild card uh, permutations and implications with those two teams battling it out. Not only for wild card, but they have division titles ahead of them as well as possibilities should Baltimore and or Jacksonville continue to falter. We're going to go to an NFC North matchup. Believe it or not, this division is not over yet. Yeah, uh, There is a situation where the Lions – can I mean the Lions have a they're dormy as we call it in golf they have a three game lead with three to play however two of those three games are against the Minnesota Vikings yep. so should the Vikings sweep two of the next three games versus the Detroit Lions Minnesota's other games against your Packers while Detroit gets the Dallas Cowboys should Minnesota be able to sweep Detroit which I don't think they do uh, they could steal the division before it's all said and done at 10 and seven, not something we thought was possible a few weeks ago before Detroit went into a little bit of a tailspin, which they obviously corrected last week in their big win. Um, line is the lions minus three. It was at three and a half. So it snuck down to that key number total 46 and a half. I'm going to give out a total on this one. I know you don't hear me give overs often. I normally give a whole bunch of unders. Uh, neither one of these teams has been playing much of a defense. The Lions have a dynamic offense that I think they fixed last week in their blowout win. Uh, I'm going to sneakily take the over. I don't love it, but I am going to play 46 and a half over in a little bit of a track meet here. Anything you like on this? Yeah, we're in the same zip code, different house here. I'm going to go Lions over 12 and a half first half points. They've been the fourth best offense in the first quarter or first half of games just behind teams like Dallas and Miami. They're ahead of the Chiefs ahead of the Ravens when it comes to scoring early in these games. Minnesota's defense trending in the right direction here a little bit, but you still get golf. I get that it's on the road, but it's indoors. That's where he's comfortable. He's got multiple touchdown passes in five straight weatherproof games. I think he makes it six straight. If he gets multiple touchdown passes early and often, they're going over 12 and a half points in the first half. So we're talking points. You're going first half. I'm going game. Now we're going to flip the switch, flip the script here. Washington Commanders at the New York Jets. Jets laying three at home. Total is 37 and a half, opened at 39 and a half. I gave this out on Vista the other night as one of my plays. You know I love taking unders when it comes to the Jets. Their offense is horrific, historically horrific. 
The Washington defense stinks. I'm going to call go. it out. The defense <laughs> is not good. Um, you don't take unders in Washington games lightly, uh, but I think the Jets offense is that bad that it doesn't matter the playing the Washington defense. You might disagree in a minute, but I want to throw some numbers out there. Uh, outside of the second half in the pouring rain versus the Texans in week 13, where Garrett, Garrett, Zach Wilson went bananas and won player of the week in the AFC for that great second half he had versus the Texans. You take that half out of the equation and the Jets have totaled 58 total points over the other 30 quarters since the bye. <laughs> 58 points in 30 quarters, and I'm going to add that 14 of them came on defense. Yeah. So they've really only scored 44 offensive points over 30 quarters, taking that one second half out against the Texans. You can do the math on that one. Commanders with Howell at quarterback last week against a not great Rams defense had one touchdown before they benched him and Jacoby Brissett led them to two fourth quarter touchdowns. Their offense isn't good. Jets offense isn't good. Yes. The defense stinks, but the Jets defense doesn't. I'm going under. What do you like? I'm going over. I'm going over. There we go. Our first PFN betting battle. We might have to have a wager of some kind on this game, but you mentioned it. I mean, your analysis was right. It's just a matter of which process you are buying in here. I mean, Washington hasn't had a game under 48 total points since the middle of or since early November. Like it's been a minute. That's how they operate. The pass rate over expectation is just off the charts for this team. I'm not going to say they're going to score every possession, but they're going to put the ball in harm's way for better or worse. Maybe McLaurin makes a play. Maybe he throws three picks and you've got two pick sixes and even that then Washington sped up and they're passing on the other side. So I think there's a, a lot of avenues to success here. Obviously the bottom could fall out. Obviously the jets could score under 15 points and they could hold the commanders to 20. Like there's, there's a lot of avenues here, but if they can get on the board early or turn it over early if a big play in either direction is made early and we're forced into an aggressive standpoint on either one of these offenses that are more than capable of turning the ball over I'm leaning over 37 if I'm going to prop it's Garrett Wilson his longest catch over 22 and a half yards you mentioned this commander's defense they're terrible third highest opponent a dot there you go drink if you if you wanted to hear a dot from a Kyle Sapi podcast but He's hit this total. He's hit his longest catch has been 23 plus in seven straight games, not against the division. Guess what the commanders are? They're not in the AFC East. Give me over 22 and a half for Garrett Wilson's longest catch. All year long, I have touted in the columns and on this podcast, I've touted taking the opposing wide receiver one versus the Washington defense. They give up 100 yards every single week. I've cashed on that more times than not. Do the Jets have one? Maybe it's Garrett Wilson. Do they have a quarterback that can get him the ball? That's a question. (laughs) Right. So let me ask you this, and then we'll move on to games that actually matter. Although they all do matter on the PFN betting podcast. If you close your eyes and think about it, are you more likely to see, and by the way, Kyle is closing his eyes right now. Are you more likely to see 31-20 Washington or 10-6 Jets? 10-6. Okay. That's why I'm on 10-6. Yeah, no, I'm still going. I'm standing (laughs) by the over, but I get where you're going at. And I just think somebody's going to make a big mistake. And once that happens, the floodgates could open as far as points. We'll have a head-to-head bet or a dinner or a breakfast bet or a shirt bet or something. We'll think of something. I cannot believe we're going to go head-to-head against Washington and the Jets. That's what makes betting good is every one of these games matter. 
in the betting world. Moving on, Seattle Seahawks, fresh off their Monday night comeback and miracle win against the Eagles, travel back to the East Coast to face the Tennessee Titans, who after their Monday night miracle against the Dolphins, uh, lost last week to the Houston Texans and their backup quarterback. Uh, maybe if the Titans could kick some field goals and extra points, it might be different. Okay. But alas, Seattle uh, now up to minus two and a half after their win. 41 and a half is the total. Uh, I was impressed by what Drew Locke and Seattle were able to do last week and even how the running game took off in the second half versus the Eagles. Mm -hmm. It is short rest. It is going west to east on that short rest. Never like to lay that, so I would lean Seattle, but it's a pass for me because I actually do value the the the, the numbers when it comes to short rest and going west to east and by you, what your clock and your time clock and and the travel weariness. Like Seattle was probably done celebrating somewhere in the neighborhood of four five a.m. East Coast time on Tuesday morning, and now they're playing a Sunday ten a.m. game local time. Sometimes that's not easy. It's football. They can only be in the tub for so much and ice themselves so much. It's a stay away for me because Seattle's the better team. I see Seattle minus two and a half against Tennessee, and I automatically want to pound Seattle. They're the better team. They just beat the Eagles. Why would you even think about not taking them? I just gave you the reasons that scare me off of this game. So it's not one that I'm going to dabble in because I can see this being your typical Oh, Seattle's better. You got to pound Seattle, and then Tennessee springs the upset like they did in Miami. Uh, but this because Seattle has short rest and is traveling west to east. That's just my read on this one. But Seattle is the better team, so I don't blame anybody for taking them. Are you agreeing with that, or are you chasing the dog here at home? I agree with the analysis, and I'll make the bet now. And part of because of your analysis that we think that if teams, if people are going to pounce on Seattle, this number is not staying under a field goal very long. So I'm going to do that. Seattle, they've got playoff hopes, which is something Tennessee doesn't have. In their last three weeks, they play the Cowboys, they play the 49ers, and you mentioned the Eagles. Minus 15 point differential against those three opponents, not too shabby. Tennessee's played eight straight weeks after the early bye, and two of the last three have gone to overtime. So while I understand that Seattle might be fatigued a little bit here with the travel and everything. I don't think Tennessee's exactly fresh, and they're playing without motivation. So give me Seattle minus two and a half. A little stronger than a lean for me, but I get where you're coming from. And there was a point in time back when the two of us were working in the ESPN Stats and Mill Department where we tracked this type of stuff. And you probably go back and look it up. You're a master of databases about teams going west to east. And I will tell you that Seattle under Pete Carroll, I'm obviously Seattle being a team that has to go west to east often, they actually mm -hmm. don't have a bad record in those scenarios, but they're not awful coming off of a Monday night miracle win either. So I might challenge you after this podcast to go look at the database and see teams coming off Monday night football wins on the West Coast, then going and playing early games on Sunday and see what that record looks <laughs> might like. Might be a little niche. But <laughs> hey, there was, there was a trend that I played many, many years ago when ESPN used to have the, the Monday night opening doubleheader East Coast yeah. uh, East Coast at 7.15, West Coast at 10.15. There was multiple years where the team that hosted the West Coast game mm -hmm. on Monday night, again, ending really late on the East Coast. Right. This is a game that started at 10 o'clock on the East Coast. Would then have to go play an early game on the East Coast in week two, and they got crushed in three consecutive years. After I missed it year one, I pounded it week two, and I pounded it week three. 
Uh, both of them were monumental upsets that no one saw coming because, again, team coming off a win on Monday night, going on the road out west, mm-hmm. going home to play on the East Coast, getting a laying a huge number, took the road team in the upset win, and it paid off. Makes sense. We saw, we saw with uh, London earlier this year. Jacksonville was there. Buffalo had to come over and, yep, you know, yep, acclimate yep. all that stuff, and they take the L. So I get the idea. We don't have Monday Night Doubleheaders much out anymore. We don't. Uh, moving, talk, you, you mentioned the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are in Tampa in a Sunshine State battle of two teams with playoff aspirations. Right now, the Jags, who opened as a one-point favorite, are actually laying a point and a half at Tampa, 43 and a half. How do you see this one? I'll take... The home team here, if we get worried that Trevor Lawrence is out, until then, I'm not touching this game. If Trevor Lawrence plays, I think they're the better team. He gives them more optionality than Baker Mayfield does the Bucks. But right now, with him banged up in protocol, he's battling the ankle sprain. He's got a million things wrong with him right now. If he doesn't play, maybe I can talk myself into the Bucks. If he does, maybe I go with the Jags, which means right now, I'm not touching it. I think not much more to say about that game without Trevor Lawrence. We don't really know what's going on there. Uh, you know, both teams are battling for division titles and playoff spots. Um, they're both in it, so they both have the same motivation. It's not like a huge road game when they're only a couple of hours apart in the same state. Uh, hard to handicap, which is why it is a one-point spread, and it's gone back and forth a couple of times. Uh, the total is currently at 44 so we'll see if that has any movement as well. Sometimes it was at 43 and a half. Um, we won't spend much time on this next one either, unless you have a huge play on it. Arizona Cardinals wrapping up their season. Chicago Bears playing better of late, laying four and a half. If you're in the business of laying four and a half, the Chicago Bills, God bless you. If you're in the business of taking the Arizona Cardinals on the road, God bless you also. Uh, at the time that this started, the Bears were three and a half. It's grown to four and a half. I was willing to lay it if the Bears got down to three in that magic number. Unfortunately, the spread went the other way, and it went from three and a half up to four and a half. I'm not in the business of laying four and a half for the Chicago Bears. Total is sitting at 43 down from 44 and a half. I don't have a strong play to you. Yeah, DFS play, and maybe in the betting market. We've yet to see player props really posted for this across most books, so I don't have numbers yet. But Michael Wilson overs to me is looking okay. We've got Hollywood Brown out, the six foot two rookie, played on over 85% of the snaps last week. You're talking about Kyler Murray, been pushing the ball down the field. ADOT's up over 27% from last season. The Bears, a strong run defense, a little vulnerable through the air. So I'm going with Michael Wilson overs, and I'm rostering him across the board in DFS GPPs this week. Kyle Sapi said ADOT. David takes a shot at Mountain Dew Kickstart. That's how it works. So. We go from Arizona Cardinals versus Chicago Bears uh, to the game of the week in the Dallas Cowboys and Miami Dolphins. Maybe, maybe the game of the week. If you haven't yet listened, uh, our Dallas Cowboy, Dallas Cowboys beat reporter Jess Navarez and our Miami Dolphins beat reporter Adam Beasley did a joint podcast this week, a Dolphins-Cowboys joint pod instead of having separate pods. Cowboys' other co-host, Dalton Miller, out with uh, having a baby. Congratulations to Dalton and his family. So Jess and Adam got together and hosted a pod. Go listen to it on profootballnetwork.com. Cowboys, Dolphins. You have the Dolphins are currently laying a point and a half 
15 and a half. Uh, the look ahead line have the Cowboys favored. That has changed. The Dolphins are now favored. The line moved in their favor. Total at 15 and a half. To me, Kyle, and, and taking the homerism out of the equation here, Dolphins are one of the best home teams in football. Yep. They're 6-1 and one this season at home, the lone loss being the Monday night football meltdown, which we won't reference again. All six of their wins were by a touchdown or more. And on the flip side of things, the Cowboys are not a good road team. All four of the Cowboys' losses have been on the road, including blowout losses to Buffalo and San Francisco. They also lost at Arizona and Philadelphia. Not the same team on the road. We've heard McCarthy talk about it. We heard Jess talk about it on the podcast. Dolphins are a different team at home than they are on the road. Uh, that's one of the factors that I have in picking the Dolphins here. And the second factor is I think Tyreek Hill is going to play. He got close to playing last week. It was beyond a game-time decision. It literally was down to the wire. Um, I think he plays this week. And I think unless Dallas has all of a sudden figured out their magic on the road, uh, these two teams are very, very similar. They've beat a whole bunch of bad teams. Um the Cowboys have the only win against a winning team, having beaten the Eagles a few weeks ago. Again, at home, neither one of them have beaten a winning team on the road. I- I'm going to side with the home team here. Taking bias out of the equation, if this game was in Dallas, I'd be taking Dallas, being honest. Full transparency. This game is in Miami, so I'm taking Miami. These two teams can meet again on a neutral field in Las Vegas in February, and I'd have to think about it. But to me, it comes down to the Dolphins being at home and the Cowboys being on the road. Your thoughts? It's, inter- it's interesting. I'm not as willing to put as much stock into the home road stuff. Just because Dell's going to Miami, you're not talking about weather concerns. You get Miami coming to Dallas, you're not talking about weather concerns because they play indoors. So I'm not too, too worried about that. But I'm a wuss. I'm going to stay away from the total and p- or stay away from the side and pick a total here. I'm going under 50 and a half points. Like, I get that both teams have a lot of playmakers on both sides of the ball that can throw up big numbers. But you've also got underrated running backs here. Your guy, Raheem Mostert, setting the Dolphins' record for touchdowns. Tony Pollard, I still think a viable threat. Rico Dotto coming along there. You're talking about two of the top 10 defenses in terms of yards per pass attempt. And both defense or both teams that are below average in pace of play on offense. So if we're talking a low possession game you're really talking a high level of efficiency to clear 50 points here. So I'm going to go under 50 and a half thinking that one, I don't think either team gets to 30. And if that's not going to be the case, pushing this total is going to be difficult. You know, I like that play and and I'll tell you why I I bit the bull last week and I put it in the column and said it on the podcast. First time all year, I took an under in a dolphins game. Dolphins who have the number one offense in football. They were playing the jets. You know, the jets have a dynamic defense and Tyreek Hill wasn't going to play. So I took the under in that game. And it wasn't because of the Dolphins' offense, because the Dolphins scored 30 points. Right. It was because of the Dolphins' defense that shut the Jets out. Or the Jets' so, offense, yeah. <laughs> the Dolphins scored 30, and it was not even a sweat. And I took the under 37. I get the under that this is a high number at 50. Both these teams have dynamic offenses. They also have very good defenses. Mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboy defense has been good all year, except for last week versus Buffalo, when Buffalo ran for 6,000 yards. Uh, but the Dolphin defense is coming into itself. You saw what they did against, yes, the Jets suck. We talked about the Jets offense. They've done it to Washington. Uh, they, they've done it to other teams. They, they, they held Philadelphia to, to, to 20-something points. The defense is pretty good. Um, one thing I do want to push back on is the weather situation. You said no weather because it's Miami. That works to their favor when it's hot. Sure. We know that yeah. the Dolphins will make the Cowboys wear their dark 
uniform. The yeah. Dolphins will be wearing their white on white. Um, and I think they're actually going to be wearing their throwbacks, by the way, in oh, some way, shape, out. or form that means something to someone. Um, but it, they do beat teams down in the second half of hot humidity. Now, it is December, That's nice. almost <laughs> January. We're not talking about September here. But there is a reason that the Miami Dolphins have a good home record. Mm-hmm. Um, and the weather is part of it. So um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I do like your underplay. Uh, same game parlay. You can take an under. Dolphins minus one and a half. And as always, take Tariq Hill anytime touchdown if Tyreek plays. There's your same game parlay. I've won more Dolphins same game parlays than anybody else this year. Uh, moving on, Patriots, Broncos. Only one of these teams has something to play for, and it's not the New England Patriots. Broncos laying six at home. The total down to 34 and a half as we talk, which ticks me off because it was 36 and a half and I gave out the under in the column, but I'm not sure I can take it at under 34 and a half. That's pretty low. Denver defense has been good except for last week. And they ran into the lions buzzsaw Patriots are not the lions, not even close. No. This should be a slow played low scoring game, but I can't give you under 34 and a half with this game. I've done that before and won. uh, 36 and a half, I was going to take it. That line movement move anything to you, or are you staying away from this one? It's funny. I generally think a 36 is the Bearman line. Like, if it's under 36 and we're like, eh, we're getting a little tough, but anything in that neighborhood under 40, right around 36 is where I draw the line for you. That, that's I'm, where it is. And in the column, I took under 36 and a half and didn't think twice. I, and I even said it on air the other night on VSIN. 34 and a half means I'm not the only one who was thinking about that. And we always advocate on this show, get the lines early before they move against you. And in this case, uh, I didn't take this one early and I'm going to not take the game because of it. Whereas other lines we've talked about, like I I got the Colts plus the number and now they're favored, yada, yada, yada. Um, You got to line chop and get it when you can. Uh, Do you have a side or total on this one? Yeah, I mean, the fact that we're debating about an over-under in the mid-30s here means I'm taking six and a half points. I understand getting in front of the Patriots is no fun, but Denver, they've won seven games this year. Can they win by margin? Four of those have come by a field goal or less. Five of the last six Patriot games decided by six or fewer points. They're not good. They aren't. There's no two ways about that. They can't move the ball. But six and a half points, all I'm asking you to do is score like 13 points. Against a Broncos defense that can be had on the ground. Ezekiel Elliott, pound him 20 times. Make this a 13-10 game. Get out of the dodge. I'm not betting real money on the Patriots, but if I had to pick a side, I'd take the points. You know what Van Scott Van Pelt would call this game? What would he call it? Hold your nose. Yes. Kyle Soppy on the Patriots plus six is going to hold his nose and pray. Hold your butt and pray. Raiders, Chiefs. AFC West battle, believe it or not, the AFC West is not over. The Broncos still have a chance there. The Chiefs laying 10, 41 and a half, down from 43 and a half. When the Kansas City offense struggles, which isn't often, but when they do, like they had their midseason slump, the antidote for them is to play the the Las Vegas Raiders. In fact, I'm going to change that. It's not the Las Vegas Raiders. It's the Raiders. Here's what Kansas City has put up against the Raiders, whether they were in Oakland or Las Vegas. They have put up 31, 31, 30, 48, 41, and 40. The last seven times they have played the Las Vegas or Oakland Raiders. Earlier in the season, Kansas City's offense was struggling, and they went to Las Vegas and put up 31 points. So 
I said I was going to take anything over Chiefs team total. It was not up yet when I wrote the column. It opened at 26 and a half, and I jumped all over it. So I'm over 26 and a half. Kansas City can score, and they can score on the Raiders team for whatever reason. Andy Reid loves throwing up points against the Raiders, and he does it every single time they play. I like it. It's exactly what helps Mahomes. It's their medicine. What do you like in this game? It's funny. We had this situation a few weeks ago on the podcast, and it it flamed out in a big way, but we're going back to it. You've got the Chiefs team total over. I'm going Raiders team total under. So, I mean, in theory, I guess we could just pick the Chiefs to cover and kind of cover both our bases here. But I understand that they threw up 63 points last week. That's not who the Raiders are. That's more who the Chargers are. That's not who the Raiders are. The month prior to that historic performance 11 and a half points per game this isn't an offense I want to bet on the Chiefs sixth best defense in yards per play they lead the league in pressure rate they are built to give this Raiders team all sorts of problems you mentioned to get right spot I think that's true for both sides of the ball give me the Raiders under 14 and a half points in this one so he's on under 14 and a half and I am on over 26 and a half we both could win you could also lay the points with the Chiefs, I totally agree with you. The, the, the Raiders are the Raiders are not a 63-point team and no. to the point where I actually took the under last week in that game. And I can freely oh. admit it <laughs> on national radio here that I had the under in that Thursday night game, um, and, and that bet was lost before I even turned the TV on last Thursday night. Um, did not see the Raiders putting up 63 points. You probably heard no. it by now because that was so absurd. The Raiders hadn't had scored over 21 once all year, once one time all season, they had scored more than 21 points. I played the under in Raider games over and over and over again and keep smiling. <laughs> I don't know what the heck happened to the chargers, but 63 was more than they scored in the previous, like five games combined. Yeah. Anyhow, what I forgot to mention was that was our first Christmas day game. Cause we've now yes. moved on to Monday. Triple header. So that was the first Christmas day game. Enjoy your Christmas day and your holiday with having the chiefs Raiders at one o'clock. Then at 4.30, we have the Giants and Eagles is your middle-of-the-day game. Eagles laying 11.5, total at 42.5. Eagles have lost three straight. The Giants were on their way to stealing a possible playoff spot before they threw up last week and lost that game. 11.5 is a lot of points to lay for an Eagles team that has not played very well. I absolutely see the Eagles winning this by double digits, but I can also see the Giants keeping it close. What do you like in this one? Both things could be true. The Giants could keep this thing close for two and a half, three quarters, and the Eagles could still cover. But I'm going to take the first quarter. Give me the Eagles minus three and a half. You get it at good odds right now. Listen, you mentioned the three straight losses. That's true. Over those three games, they've won the first quarter 13 to 10. And those are in three losses. It's been the other three quarters that have been the problem, 85 to 36 the rest of the way. Obviously, that needs to get ironed out, and I think it will this week. But they get the lowest scoring first quarter team in the NFL in a get-right spot. I think the Eagles score once, if not twice, in the first quarter, and the Giants won't. So that means I'm laying three and a half in the first 15 minutes. So to sum up what you just said, the Eagles, though losing three straight, have won the first quarter in all three. Uh, they've accumulated. Played well they've, in the first quarter. They've won two out of three, yeah. And the Giants are the worst first, first quarter team, which we already knew because they couldn't score in the first half, more or less, in the first quarter. No, right. So his play is Eagles minus three and a half in the first quarter. I don't have a play on this game. If I did play it, I would lean Giants just because I think that's a lot of points. Considering how 
much the Eagles have not only struggled, but struggled on defense. Their defense has been a nightmare. We saw Drew Locke go 92 yards right down the field and, and beat them. Um, they've changed coordinators, play callers, Matt Patricia, yada, yada, yada. Not that the Giants have any semblance of an offense, but <laughs> no. other than the dud they put up against the Saints, the Giants have been playing much better. We're going to wrap up our full slate of games with a Monday night showdown between the current number one seeds in the AFC and the NFC. Some people, dare I say, call it a Super Bowl preview. Back in the day, this was a Super Bowl matchup sure. between the two Harbaugh's back when Jim Harbaugh was not in Michigan. Ravens, Niners, you have the Niners now laying five and a half up from an opening number of four and a half. Total at 46 and a half up from 45 and a half. That's a lot of fours, fives and halves. Kyle, I'm going to put this simply. When Trent Williams and Debo Samuel are healthy and on the field, the Niners are 10-0, nine double-digit wins, and the only one that wasn't a double-digit win was because Sean McVay called timeout and kicked a field goal to cover the spread. <laughs> hero. Huh? He's a hero. He's a hero. He's an absolute hero. He covered the spread for all of us who had the Rams that day. Point being, the Niners are absolutely crushing teams left and right. It doesn't matter if you're the Arizona Cardinals or you're the Philadelphia Eagles. Ravens come to town off their Sunday night win. I'm still taking the Niners. Five and a half doesn't worry me. They're the best team in football. I don't think it's close. We can talk about the Cowboys and the Dolphins and the Bills and the Chiefs. On and on and on. The Niners are the best team in football. I'm going to lay the points until... They're not the best team in football, and I don't see anybody stopping at this point. I'm just glad as a 72 Dolphins guy that they lost those three games in the middle of the season because they're playing tremendous football right now, not just on defense. But their offense is scoring like crazy. Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, you got, you know, Ayuk and Samuel. I don't know. Right now they seem unstoppable, of course, when Kyle Shanahan gets to the Super Bowl. That might change as we've seen in the past. But do you have a lean or a play on this one? Yeah, my lean's under 47 and I get or 46 and a half, whatever you're getting at your book. But I think I'm rooting against fun for these two monumental week 16 games. So that's that's not great. But you're talking about two of the top 10 red zone defenses in the league. You're talking about two bottom six pace teams in the league. My argument for this game is very similar to that of the Dolphins and Cowboys that they've got star power on the offensive end, but the defense kind of gets overlooked here. The Ravens, six wins this season in which they haven't allowed more than 10 points. The 49ers, you mentioned it, a juggernaut right now. No complaint. Number one team in my power ranks as well. Eight wins this season in which they haven't allowed more than 16. So the idea that one of these teams is held under 23, 24 points puts me on this spot. I don't think either gets to 30 and so you're talking a thin line if you're trying to go over 47. My question for you, Mr. Behrman, is after this game, is the winner of whoever, whichever team wins this game, is their quarterback now the leader in the clubhouse for the MVP race? Yes. Okay. And we've got I'm a Lamar ticket. <laughs> I'm more confident. Well, I think Brock Purdy is going to be the leader regardless unless he throws a three interception there game out there. Okay, that's my question. Um, I think the MVP race is over. Ooh, um, wow. I think Brock Purdy wins this hands down. You know, I've listened to the naysayers and the pundits out there, but it's not. It's the same. I, I don't care that he was the last pick of the draft. That doesn't make yeah, you mad. Matter. Like, the greatest quarterback of all time, and I want to vomit saying it, was drafted in the fifth round. But, like, it, you know, I, ha I have something for you. Maybe sure. the scouts were wrong. Like, yeah. maybe they were wrong. You know, they've been wrong before. They were wrong on Tom Brady. 
And maybe the scouts were wrong on Brock Purdy. Maybe it is a system. I don't care. He's getting the job done. System or not, you still got to throw the ball and catch the ball. Um, He's a phenomenal quarterback. I think as the quarterback of the best team in football, his numbers are off the charts as well. It's not like he's throwing for 100 yards a game. He's, he's second in the NFL yeah. in, in yards. He's first in touchdowns. He's second in QBR. Like He's up there with the best of the best. Um, and they're the best team in football. So I think Brock Purdy wins the MVP. If Lamar goes nuts and outshines him, I think the gap closes. Okay. So to answer your question, I don't think Lamar becomes the favorite. I think the gap closes, and then you see what happens the last two weeks of the season. It becomes like a competitive race. But I think the Niners win, and I think I think Purdy has it locked up. I would still vote Purdy even if they lost as long as he doesn't go out there and have like a three-interception game. I think Purdy is just meant more than what Lamar has meant. Um, but if Lamar goes out there and throws for two, runs for two, and Purdy, yeah, it could flip. It absolutely could flip. Um, I'd be very confident holding a Brock Purdy ticket right now. I, you have a Lamar Jackson one, give you credit. You had it before the season started. And if you're going to lose, you're losing to a guy that was Mr. Irrelevant, who became very relevant. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think at this point, unless something drastic happens on Monday night, and I'm betting the Niners, so I don't think something drastic is going to happen. Um, and by the way, the Ravens still have some tough games left. They still have to well, play that's, Miami. That's it. And they still have, have to play Pittsburgh. Not that Pittsburgh's good, but it's a rivalry game. I think the MVP race is over. I hopped on Purdy at week five and six as part of my portfolio. I have Tua. Uh, I took Lamar when you put it in the column. Um, I don't think I played Jalen, and I think I played Dak at one point. Um, but I have mo- most exposure to Purdy, and I'm fine with that um, because I think he wins the MVP. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with you. I just I think there's a chance. If Lamar gets that chance, if he cracks the door open, wins this game and looks good doing it, and he can put together another showcase event against your Dolphins next week. Like, you're talking a pretty good finishing kick here for uh, swoop in and take your second MVP. I think there's a chance. Obviously, I'm biased here with the ticket, but I, I this is an interesting game. To me, this is the game of the week, not your game. Your game's a close second. And no doubt that if they go out there and let's say they win 31-14 and they blow out the Niners, which isn't going to happen, but if it did and Lamar – you know, throws for two, runs for two, has a couple of those Houdini plays. Which he will. <laughs> very easily could close that gap and potentially overtake it. Then they play the Dolphins, beat the Dolphins, clinch the number one seed. Now you have mm-hmm. two quarterbacks of the number one seeds, which is where the MVPs come from. And he won head-to-head. So you almost right. have to give it to Lamar. Right. I just don't think they're going to win the game. Um, that's fair. I'm not sure they beat the Dolphins either, but that's for next week. Uh, but to wrap up this PFN betting podcast, as always, I like to ask you for your best bet. So what is your best bet? Yeah, I think I, I think the under in your Cowboys Dolphins game is kind of where I'm leaning here. I think enough stops can be made and they operated a slow enough tempo here that if Tyreek Hill is anything less than 100 percent and not making 65 yard touchdown plays, I think we could see a, a game that grinds it out a little bit competitive down to the finish. And I hope it doesn't go to overtime. For my under, but yeah, no, I think one of these offenses will struggle, if not both, to some degree. So Kyle's going with the Dolphins Cowboys under. I'm going to knock it out right off the bat. 15 game slate, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I'm going with the Bengals minus two right off the bat in wow, Pittsburgh. Okay. First game, best game. That's my best bet of the week. I also like the Colts, as we talked about, but I'm a little worried about their injuries, and that's more of a play against the Falcons. Um, I think here you have the Bengals are hot, the Steelers are not. I think the spread is wrong. 
So I'm a fire right out of the gate with the Bengals. Already took it at uh, one and a half the other day. I would take it up to three. So that's my best bet. Kyle, I want to thank you for doing a little two-man pod to cover 15 NFL games. Remember to go to ESPN Bet, sign up, use the promo code PFN to get $250 in bonus bets. And how do you spend the money that you win? You go to the PFNmerch.com. After you win all of the bets that you listen to me and Kyle tell you about, Kyle's wearing the hat that you can't see. One day, I promise you, this pod will be on YouTube as well. Kyle wearing a Pro Football Network hat. You can get that and more at the PFNmerch.com. Get your significant other. Get your kids. Get a little Santa stocking stuffer. Get a PFN hat. Get a shirt. Throw it out there. PFNmerch.com. That'll wrap it up. So for Kyle Soppy, this is David Behrman. Hopefully you enjoy the slate Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Have a wonderful holiday over the weekend. Holiday on Monday. And then we will be back next week to break down week 17 action. But hopefully you'll enjoy week 16 over the holiday weekend.